Welcome to episode five of the Lean Smarts podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about lean as a system, which will be very interesting, even if it sounds rather boring. And we're going to talk about this phrase, having an appreciation for a system, which has some history to it. A man named William Edwards Deming said it a long time ago. Uh, He's not around anymore today, but he greatly influenced the quality movement and Japan after World War II, and a lot of his teachings actually find their way into the Toyota production system and lean, lean manufacturing as it's known today. So uh, he's a hero to many, and today we're going to be teaching on one of his 14 points. He had these this list of 14 points that are uh, super helpful. I encourage you to go check it out. Uh, but one of them is this, an appreciation for a system. If you don't get this, you're going to struggle. You might even fail when it comes to your lean practice. So today I'm going to talk about two ways in which lean is a system, one of which you might already uh, anticipate, the other you may not, unless uh, you've read books or have had a more academic exposure to lean. And I'm going to talk about cyborgs even, which sounds bizarre. I have a bit of a nerd inside of me. I grew up with both Star Wars and Star Trek, thanks to my older brother and my dad. But if live long and prosper and may the force be with you makes no sense to you, that's okay. You don't need to get it to understand the connection we'll make here. But first, let me explain what is a system and why it matters so much. Well, according to Wikipedia, which sometimes can explain things in simple terms, a system is a group of interacting or interrelated entities that form a united whole. Well, what the heck does that mean? I'll give you three examples. One is a body system. I'm going to take you back to biology. A body system is organized, right? We even refer to living creatures as organisms. These organisms are composed of organs that are organized. You've got a heart, you've got lungs, you've got a brain, um, and different tissues, different structures within the body system. And they all work together to produce life, (laughs) you know, what you are right now. So that's an example. Another one is a computer system. Computer has some memory cards, a processor, a hard drive. Um, I guess they're not disks anymore. Those aren't really in them much because of flash, but uh, graphics processors and et cetera. And all those pieces of hardware work together to create the experience you have when you sit in front of your machine. Now, both of these examples are good ones in helping understand a system because a single organ doesn't actually function by itself. If you only have a heart, well, the heart is not going to beat unless there is an electric signal coming from outside itself, you know, a a brain, right? Or it's not gonna have oxygen unless you've got lungs. So in the same way computer, if you all you have is a processor, but don't have a motherboard and all the other hardware, it's not going to function. So each function by itself cannot actually produce the system's um, effect when they all work together. Uh, The last example I'll give you is a sports team. In any sports team, there's different positions, uh, people with different responsibilities, and they all work together as a unified team. And this is a great example because you could actually have the best players in the world on your team. But if they are so focused 
on themselves and working as individuals, maybe even with great ego on the field, they're gonna they're gonna fail even up against a a group of inferior athletes who function as a superior team because it's the performance of the team that matters, not necessarily the individual um, expertise of each player on the team. So here's where an appreciation for a system comes into play. If you don't appreciate the complexity of the system, then you might misuse or even destroy the system and its performance. You've got to comprehend how everything works together. You could have a strong, healthy heart, but if your kidneys are failing or your lungs are failing to grab oxygen and get it in the blood, it doesn't matter if the heart can pump blood really well because the blood isn't going to perform in the rest of the body. It's deficient of oxygen or full of toxins. So you've got to understand the system as a whole. Lean is a system. And until you understand and appreciate it for what it is, you're going to have difficulty in implementing tools and then some. So let's first talk about this as lean is a system of tools. That's the first way in which uh, lean is a system. The list goes on. There's a ton of different tools. There's 5S, there's One Piece Flow, there's Quick Changeovers or SMED, Single Minute Exchange of Die. There's uh, Schedule Leveling and Visual Controls and Andon and Built-in Quality and Kanban and more and more and more. The list goes on. There's a ton of tools in the toolbox. But if you don't understand how the tools actually work together, one tool by itself is not going to produce the same outcome as when it is supported by uh, other tools alongside it. The reason why is because most every problem that you ever have to solve is a system of problems. That's what makes the problem difficult to solve. Because when you break down this problem, you discover there's a ton of smaller problems that all interact with each other and some might be more of a problem than others and there is no procedure for where to start and how to solve it. You've got to kind of figure that out as you solve the system of problems. The tool that is most important right now is really determined by the problem that you're needing to solve and how it interacts with all the other problems. So here's a great example. Let's say that your goal is to create a problem-solving culture in your organization. Well, starting out, you might first realize that, well, oh my goodness, we don't really have any standards. Uh, we don't have documented methods or the methods people use from one person to the next or one shift to the next shift. They're all different. And so how, how do we define the problem when we don't have a standard way of doing things? So you say, okay, well, we got to create some standards. So you create some standards. That's wonderful. But then what's the point of having the standards unless you have um, a way to train people? So let's say tool number two is, you know, training. And perhaps you use training within industries, TWI, job instruction. There's other ways of doing it too, but that's a fantastic uh, time-tested method. So now you're training people to follow the standards. But then you realize, well, hold on a second. What's the point of investing all of this time to train people 
if we don't also follow up on the standards to make sure that they're adhered to because everything suffers from entropy. Everything is always falling apart unless there's some input of energy into the system. I use the word again. So then you realize, okay, um, I can't do this unless I have someone to follow up on standards, which means I need more leadership in the organization. And you need more team leaders and people to do that follow-up task. But there's a new problem now because, well, you don't have leaders or not enough leaders to carry on that task. So how do you overcome it? Well, now you've got to eliminate waste and free up manpower so that you can increase the leadership capacity of your organization and develop more leaders. So now you've got more leaders who can then follow up on the standards that have been trained. Um, but they also are now struggling because there's not a simple and visual way for leaders to monitor and measure performance against the standard. So then you're thinking about visual controls and how visual controls will help leaders just walking through the production floor know at a glance what's going on and if things are on schedule, ahead, behind, if there's problems and whatever, you know, what those problems are. Now, I've already named about five different lean concepts or tools of standardization, uh, training, following up on standards with team leaders and leadership, eliminating ways to free up manpower to become the leaders, and the leaders themselves having simple visual controls to be able to monitor and measure the performance of the production system. I've already listed five, but will these five by themselves create a world-class problem-solving culture? No, there's actually still more to go, as I will reveal. I'm sure things will have improved by now in some ways, but creating a problem-solving culture is a multifaceted challenge to create. So now you've got team leaders and you've got standards and trained people and a, a visual factory that will tell you and everyone kind of the status of what's going on so that you can function better because the information is obvious and clear in real time. But now you realize, oh, there's a new challenge and it's, the, I guess the challenge is always there, but you didn't notice it because of the lack of leadership. Now the leaders themselves are inconsistent with how they are or how and when they're following up on the production system. So then you realize, well, shoot, now I got to standardize the behavior of management, the behavior of leadership. So you create leader standard work so that um, processes and parts and personnel are followed up on on a uh, semi-routine and scheduled basis to just kind of keep the the production machine and all of the people involved in the machine current and maintained. Now you're probably starting to really detect a lot of problems because you've got leaders following up on standards, seeing when there are abnormalities to that standard, especially because of the visual controls, and it's happening on a regular uh, routine, frequent basis. So you're noticing things big and small that are broken or needing to be addressed in the production system. So now you've got all these problems that are being identified, which is great. Congratulations. But now what do you do with them? How do you manage all of these issues and get them solved? 
It's one thing to detect them. It's a totally different thing to uh, eradicate them. So you have a way to identify problems, but now you realize you need a way to communicate them and escalate them and get them solved. So number seven, you start a uh, daily management stand-up meeting to uh, escalate the problems that have been identified and to help drive accountability for solving them over time. Depending upon the size of your organization, you might have different levels or tiers of this meeting. And depending upon the size of the problem, it might be solved on the first level daily stand-up meeting or further up in the organization as the problem requires additional expertise and resource to deal with it. So now you can not only identify problems, but also have a process for dealing with them through your daily management uh, system. But now you realize that you don't know how to deal with them effectively because your entire leadership team needs to be trained deeply in problem-solving methodologies. So now, number eight, you teach and train and coach everyone in root cause analysis and uh, getting your boots on and going to the Gemba, Genshi Genbutsu, and other Japanese words, and you learn how to problem solve with your hands and not just in theory in your head and get to the bottom of things. So there you have it. I have named eight different tools and concepts that are all in the world of lean in the lean manufacturing tool bag. And if you were to just pick up one of them by themselves, you would never get the same result as when all of them are working together. You can't just create visual controls and then expect to have a problem-solving culture. Or you can't just create standards and expect people to follow them or even know about the standards. You can't even just teach everybody problem-solving concepts and methodologies unless there is a behavior of the organization with supporting tools to identify and escalate and drive accountability for solving those problems. So all of these things work together as an interrelated system of um, tools and behaviors to create what one might call a problem-solving culture. And just because I named them in a certain chronology in this podcast doesn't mean that that's necessarily the order that is recommended or that you need to follow. The progression might actually be different because of the unique circumstances that you deal with at your organization. And so Lean is a system of tools, but not only that. If all you've got is some technical understanding of the tools, the system will not function. And that's because the system has another dimension to it, and that is the people in the system. And it's actually contained in the narrative I already shared with those eight steps. The reality is that the technical system is interconnected with the people and the behaviors and thinking of the people in the technical system. So academics call this a socio-technical system because there is a social component, how people think and behave 
inside the organization, and then also the technical component of the Kanban and the visual controls and the standards and everything else. So a technical side and then a flesh and blood and thinking, behaving side of the system. And they all work together. And by themselves, you don't have a lean system or anything like the Toyota production system. They're actually integrated and both have to work together to create the sum total result. So this, my friends, is why lean manufacturing is like a cyborg. If you know Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek, he was up against the Borg, cyborgs. They were people who were controlled by uh, a machine, by a computer, and they have these like equipment and, you know, uh, machines on their faces and bodies and tubes and stuff. Or even Darth Vader. Darth Vader is technically a cyborg. He is a human with a lot of machine um, apparatuses and equipment that help him stay alive and function. Both are examples. Lean is the same way and that you have to have both of these components. The technical side and the, the toolbox of tools and also people who think and behave in a radically different way than what is traditional in organizations. I'm going to quote two passages from the book, The Toyota Way, that shed some light on um, this issue. The first is this. Most attempts to implement lean have been fairly superficial. The reason is that most companies have focused too heavily on tools such as 5S and Just-in-Time without understanding lean as an entire system that must permeate an organization's culture. And that means not just the technical culture, but the people. It's the people's behavior that comprises the culture. Here's another quote. TPS, the Toyota production system, is not a toolkit. It is not just a set of lean tools like Just-in-Time, Sales, 5S, Kanban, etc. It is a sophisticated system of production in which all of the parts contribute to a whole. The whole, at its roots, focuses on supporting and encouraging people to continuously improve the processes they work on and work in. That's my addition. Unfortunately, many books about lean manufacturing reinforce the misunderstanding that TPS is a collection of tools and the centrality of people is missed. And so lean is both. It's a socio-technical system in which you have to have a set of behaviors that work in a system and uh, technical applications of industrial engineering and and other historical tools and concepts. The take-home message to you is that you must appreciate the system. Both your people and your processes must grow up together. Maturity is needed on both fronts. Lean is not so simple as just cherry-picking a tool. It's also not so simple as implementing a collection of supporting tools all at once. Instead, you've got to develop and evolve your people to interface with the technical system as you are growing and maturing both at the same time. 
For example, you can implement lean management tools like a daily stand-up meeting, Hoshin Connery, which is similar to management by objectives when devoid of certain other behaviors and competencies in an organization, or visual controls like hour over hour boards and the like. But if you don't also develop leaders who get their boots on and go to the Gemba, who teach and train and develop people, who problem solve, who find root causes, and who use creativity instead of uh, the company's wallet, you just don't get the same results. Similarly, you can implement a lean work cell or a one-piece flow process complete with standard work and on lights, inventory min-max levels and bins and, and everything else. But if you don't establish a lean problem-solving mindset and process in the organization, the moment anyone stops the line and pulls the cord on you know, the andon, management will devolve the entire area back to how it used to be with batching, excessive inventory buffers, and team members working in isolation and process islands and, and the like. One Piece Flow is superior, but it actually makes you more sensitive to problems, not less, which is a tremendous irony because one might think that, oh, I'm going to do lean because it'll make the problems go away. And while it does make the problems go away, it actually brings more problems into the light and bubble up to the surface. Unless you change your way of thinking and acting about those problems, management will do what is traditional and human nature to be scared and frightened and to go back to how things used to be with a lot more buffer and safety and problems and inefficiencies that are just kind of hidden and not really brought into the light. This is important to note and why uh, Lean is a socio-technical system. The technical side of the system is designed to expose problems. That's because of this deep-rooted belief that no problem is a big problem. Because there are always problems. And if there's not problems, you're lying to yourself. The company, the organization, culturally is hiding them and not being authentic and honest with itself and with you know everyone else. The technical tools actually expose problems, which means that people are repeatedly put in a position where problems must be solved to root cause, or the technical system itself will fail and stop functioning. And this is done on purpose. Living in the light is scary at first until you get acclimated to it. And then you realize that there is no other way of conducting life in an organization. And so the technical design is intended to bubble up problems and create these mini crises so that the problems can be dealt with. And that requires the involvement of people and people who are immensely capable and deeply trained and deeply valued in the organization. Otherwise, they never get to that level of competency. And so the two components of the system challenge each other. The technical tools challenge the people and the people challenge the processes and the, the approaches and tools comprising that process. It goes back and forth and back and forth. And whenever, whenever it's too easy, challenge must be reintroduced to the system and inventory dropped or something of that sort to create an environment in which people will again solve problems and drive the technical system to a higher level of performance. 
So in the beloved words of William Edwards Deming, do you appreciate the system? Do you fully get it? And do you appreciate your people? Because a true and deep appreciation for people changes everything. It will even cause you to rethink what implementation actually means when it comes to Lean. And that's why the Lean Smarts Academy exists. It exists to help you develop and grow people so that the technical excellence of your organization has the raw material to make it better and better and better because it's the people that will accomplish that. So make training easier and your ability to develop people easier by joining the Lean Smarts Academy. In fact, if you've enjoyed this episode of the Lean Smarts podcast, in which I've named a ton of things, I'll confess that, named a bunch of different tools and jargon, but if it's been intriguing to you or helpful, there's a fantastic course in the Lean Smarts Academy called The Fundamentals of Lean. And it covers in about five hours from start to finish in broken up uh, bite-sized videos, many, if not all, not all, but many, many, many of the fundamental tools and concepts contained in the Lean Manufacturing Toolkit, including the role of people in making the system perform. So go to leansmarts.com to learn more about the Academy or check out the fundamentals of Lean um, or check out the show notes for this podcast episode because in all of the show notes, I include links to make it easier for you to find many of the um, resources and references made in the podcast. Thank you again for joining me today for this uh, somewhat longer episode, but I hope you've enjoyed it and can now appreciate Lean as a system in a whole new way.